Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. (laughs) You know, if you've got something that's uh, in your life that's causing you an issue, realize God didn't create you to be overcome. He created you to overcome that and to triumph over it and through it. And the scripture said that there is no trial, there's no temptation, there's no challenge that has happened to us, but that God is faithful and has provided a way through it, a way over it, that, that we can uh, triumph, we can win. So say it out loud, everybody, I'm a winner. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. And even before you have any clue how you can overcome it, you can believe that you are an overcomer. And you can believe that whatever it takes, the Lord will show you. And he'll get it to you. And he will uh, enable you to be and do what he has already said that you are. Uh, Get your Bible and Get something to make a note with and come into the classroom with us today. Let's release faith that we will hear a manna from heaven, exactly what the Lord knows we need today. Father, we all release our faith, looking to you, agreeing together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, the anointing that removes burdens and destroys the yokes Uh, and bondages of the enemy. We're asking you for light of truth that makes free, enlightenment and understanding of your holy word and the moving and working of your Holy Spirit and your holy angels. We ask for it in Jesus' name and we thank you for it. You are such a gracious, good, faithful God. Thank you for all you've done for us and all that you're always doing We thank you so much, our good God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you look, please, in our great textbook, the Bible, to mark the um, eighth chapter today. We've been for some weeks now on a series that we're calling Faith for Healing. Uh, If you haven't been with us, uh, we've already uh, covered scores and scores of lessons on the subject of faith here at Faith School. We spent uh, weeks and weeks and weeks just in Hebrews 11, looking at that and going verse by verse, finding out what faith is and how it works and how it comes and how it's released. And so if you hadn't heard that, let me encourage you, uh, go online, uh, faithschool.org, and it won't cost you anything. All those lessons are available there. You can take them one by one. You can do them five at a time, 10 at a time, whatever you want. And uh, on demand. And then once we got through that, we begin to get into this. We're taking the individual cases of healing that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
uh, and looking at them one by one. There are about 20 of those, depending on what you count and what you don't count. Uh, not to say there are only 20 people that received healing in the ministry of Jesus. There are days recorded where there were thousands uh, healed in just one group. And this happened over and over and over again. The scripture would say, as many as touched him were healed. As many as he touched, it would say, and they were all healed. Uh, they were healed, every one. So that's thousands and thousands if you look over the period of those three and a half years. But there's only about 20 individual cases where we're given some detail about who they were, what was wrong with them, how they received or how they were ministered to. And so out of all these thousands and tens of thousands, these are the ones that the Holy Spirit handpicked for, uh, to be recorded for all generations, for all time. So uh, class, don't you think this is important? We should take some time on each one of these and just camp and look and you'll, we will learn so much about God's will, about His ways, about how to receive healing, about how to minister healing. And so we have already covered up to this point the healing of the leper. Jesus looked at him and said, I will be clean. We looked at the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and how that Jesus rebuked that fever in her uh, body and it left her. We looked at the healing of the paralyzed man that the four men brought into the building and, and uh, Jesus looked at him and said, looked at the people and said, which one's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? We looked at the healing of the nobleman's son and we saw that he told him, he said, unless you see something, you won't believe. But he did make the adjustment and believe and, and his son was healed. We looked at the healing of the uh, man that had the withered hand and you know, one of the things the Lord said about that, he said, how much better is a man than a sheep? <laughs> he said, if a sheep's in a ditch, you ought to get him out. And if a, a man or woman is sick, they ought to be healed. Do we believe what the Lord said about these yes. things? You got to watch about religion because, uh, you know, Jesus even told religious people of his day, he said, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. And so, uh, so much has been preached and taught from seminaries, from denominations, from churches, from preachers that absolutely is contrary to what Jesus said, contrary to the Bible. If you don't know the Bible for yourself, you won't recognize it. You won't realize it, which is why it is so vital that uh, whether you're hearing me preach or your pastor or whoever it is, don't just swallow everything you hear. You should be thinking, uh, right now, listening to me, you should be thinking, where is that in the Bible? <laughs> where is that? If I'm not saying where it is, you need to be thinking, is that really in the Bible? Because I'm, I'm a human being and everybody else minister is a human being. You can make a mistake. You can assume something. You can jump to a conclusion that's wrong. But this word is perfect. It is not wrong. <laughs> and if you say, well, there, I've heard people say, well, there's contradictions in there. No, there's, there's blanks in your understanding. <laughs> no, uh-uh. There are, there are no contradictions in here. Now, I say that because there's been times, uh, it seemed to me that there was. 
I thought, well, now how can this be true and how can this be true? But then sometimes, 10 years later, I saw something. I thought, oh, well, sure. Yeah. But when I didn't understand it, it didn't seem to jail to me. No, we're the ones who are deficient, not the Bible, not the Word of God. It's our understanding that needs to develop. And so we saw the healing of the centurion's servant. How that he said to him, just the centurion said, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was so impressed with that. He said, "Your great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. We saw the healing of Jairus' daughter. How that at the darkest point of that situation, when they came and told him that she was already dead, that Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid. Only believe and she'll live. And he did, and Jesus did, and she did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Said out loud, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Only, believe. Only believe. And then we saw the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. How she said, if I could just press through the crowd and touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And when, he, when she did, he said, somebody touched me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, if she could touch him then, how many think we can still touch him now? Is, is he around? Is he the same? We saw the healing of the two blind men. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. We saw the healing of the Syrophoenician's daughter, that he said to her, like to the centurion, great is your faith. We only see a couple of times where Jesus said that. How many would like to be in that great faith category with your faith? Well, you can be. You can be. And coming to faith school is a good start. Right? Get it built up. We saw the healing, our, our, our re most recent one, number 11, was the healing of the deaf man that had the speech impediment. And so now we're, we're down to number 12 in our study of these 20 individual cases. So we're already over halfway through them. And we're in no rush to finish them. We're taking our time. And we're down to number 12, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. And this is only found here in Mark, the 8th chapter, and the 22nd verse will begin, Mark 8, 22. Now, um, we, we've already prayed, but um, it's so important how you uh, read and how you hear the word. Jesus actually asked somebody on one occasion, it's recorded in the scripture, he said, how do you read that? And he would say, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. What does that mean? It means you can read this and get nothing out of it. Or you can read it and have your life changed. Now that's a big difference, right? Well, is that just up to God, whether that happens or not? No, so much of it's up to us. So go ahead and pray again. And when I say class, I'm talking about the big class. Everybody, everywhere, said out loud, Father God, Father God open, my open my eyes to see this, to see, this, to see, what, happened here, to see what happened here, and understand, and understand what, you what you want us to see, and understand out of this. Out of this. Ask, it Ask it in Jesus' name. So th this is not... A, um, a tale, this is history. This happened. This man is real. This case is real. What Jesus said and did to him happened. 
but it's not just history, it's anointed word. And so it's supposed to mean something to everybody that will genuinely read it, listen to it, feed on it. He said in verse 22, it says, he comes to Bethsaida. Now, we saw in our previous study, uh, in, in the previous chapter, chapter 7, of the man that, had, that was deaf and had the speech impediment, that it mentioned that he was from this same uh, area, or general area, and we saw why he mentioned the area. There's nothing in the Word of God that's superfluous, that's just filler, that's unnecessary. And so why is he telling us the area? We're going to see more in just a moment. They bring a blind man to him and besought him to touch him. Now, why did they want him to touch him? This goes back to when Jesus was baptized in the river. And when he came up out of the river, uh, the Spirit of God came on him in a form like a dove. Now that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is a dove because on the day of Pentecost he manifested as fire and as strong wind. He's manifested many different ways. When we think of a person, we think of a human shape, a human body shape, but uh, persons, spirits are not limited to two arms and two legs. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person not just a force, he's a person. You know, Jesus kept referring to the Holy Spirit as him. He, he, him, him, not it. It's incorrect to refer to the Holy Spirit as it, uh, unless you'd refer to yourself as it. <laughs> you know, if you walk in the room, you don't want people saying, there it is. No, you're not an it. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. And sometimes people say, well, you know, how do you know God is not a she? Well, she has not been used in the scripture as a pronoun. And yet all of the characteristics of male and female have come out of him. And, he, and you see uh, God has both father and mother characteristics, but don't change the word. Are y'all with me? You know, and, and the Holy Spirit has not been revered, referred to uh, in the feminine. So let's just stay with what the scripture said. And, and nobody's going to be left out. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Amen. Right? There, there's, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. You, uh, spiritual things are not limited uh, like physical things are. Definitions. And uh, God is not looking at just at your physical form, he's looking at your heart all the time. And he, that's the thing that we want, most want to focus on is the condition of our heart before him. So uh, why did they want him to touch him? Um, because after Jesus came out of the uh, wilderness temptation, the Bible said he came out in the power of the Spirit. Now this goes right back to when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came on him. Uh, Jesus had not sinned. He didn't need to be saved from sin. 
But he did need to be anointed because he had laid aside his power as God. He didn't stop being who he is. Somebody said, well, how can he do that and still be God? Well, God can do things, right? <laughs> Whether you understand it or not, there's, there's a substantial mystery to us concerning the Godhead and how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It would be very presumptuous to say, well, uh, if I can't understand all that, then it, it didn't happen. Well, that's just being dumb. There's a lot you don't understand. But if you'll have a right attitude, you'll learn. You'll grow. Things will be revealed to you. But Jesus didn't function in omniscience of knowing everything all the time. He functioned as a man. He didn't operate in omnipotence as God, having all power and manifesting all power. Everything he did, he did as a man. Uh, how many understand God does not need to be anointed? Would you understand that? Yes. He's the anointer. God doesn't need to be anointed, and yet Jesus had to be anointed before we see the miracles and things happening in his ministry. That, see, that reveals he's ministering as a human being. He's ministering as a man. But when that happened, the Bible said after the wilderness temptation, the Spirit of God came on him. He went into the wilderness, was tempted 40 days and nights. When he came out, said he came out in the power of the Spirit. And the very next thing that's recorded is that he went into the synagogue, he took the scroll of Isaiah, he found the place where it was written, and he read it and proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> to preach the good news to the poor and recovering of sight to the blind. Well, see, this man's blind. Can you, can you see that? Recovering of sight to the blind and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, uh, uh, healing and, and recovery and, and deliverance. And then he, he closed the book and said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. <laughs> what does that mean? Right now, I'm here, I'm anointed to minister this to you now. Amen. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Well, that's, I'm elaborating on why people wanted him to touch them because they heard him talk about that anointing. He said, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. And most people would not have uh, realized he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God manifested in the flesh. Most, hardly anybody would have seen and known that at that time. Um, Isaiah prophesied and said, there's no form or comeliness about him that we should desire him. That, that may sound strange, but what do you mean? You could have met Jesus on the street and there was no glowing halo. <laughs> there was nothing about him that you'd go, whoa, that's the son of God. Well, it couldn't have been that way or people wouldn't have treated him like they did or or just rejected him like they did. Or he must have seemed very, very normal, natural human to most people that he was around. And so he would proclaim and say, the anointing is on me. 
And as we look through these uh, uh, chapters, that was the recurring theme. We have reason to believe he would take that text uh, more than once and twice and ten times. He, he would, would proclaim that again and again, and then he would touch people, they would touch him. And of course, the fame of that, the scripture said, spread abroad. So now you've got everywhere he goes, uh, people want to touch him, they want him to touch them. And so that's what happened right here is um, he came to this place called Bethsaida, which is uh, best I can ascertain. It's up on the north uh, shore of the Sea of Galilee and a, a coastal, maybe a fishing town. And they bring a blind man to him and besought him to touch him. Now, uh, we've seen this before. Uh, we saw with the man that was paralyzed uh, in our previous study that his four friends brought him to Jesus. They got him to the place where Jesus was, and then when they couldn't get in the house, they got him up on top of the house, and they got a hole in the roof, and they got him down right in front of Jesus. Uh, can you understand? His four friends were an integral part of, of him getting his healing. Now, they couldn't heal him, and they couldn't receive it for him, but they could help get him to where he could receive it. Is everybody awake? Yes. This is significant. And you know, when um, Peter's mother-in-law, we studied about her, she was at the house uh, delirious, I suppose, with fever, beyond talking or praying or helping herself. And when Jesus and the disciples came into the house, they besought Jesus for her. They said, would you please go in there and minister to her? Well, did that affect her healing? Absolutely. And so we are not the healer. We can't just heal each other indiscriminately or, cause we, or no matter how much we want to, that should be obvious. And nor can we receive healing for other adults. This has been a point of confusion for some in the so-called word and faith circles. People have learned that it's the will of God to be healed. They've learned healing's been bought and paid for. They've learned believe you receive it when you pray. And so I've come across numerous instances where people say, well, I, you know, I, I believe I received my mother's healing. Well, you can't receive it for her. You know, now if you've got a little child that's your child or you're the guardian, you have responsibility and that child's young enough, you can receive for a young child just like you do for yourself. But now there'll come a point where they know enough about God themselves that you can't do it anymore. And, and no matter how much you want to and no matter how much they need it, God will expect them to come to him directly. Because there's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The Lord, uh, you know, different religions and different groups have tried to set it up that way that you have to go through the minister or they'll pray for you or they'll do this. But that's not Christianity. There's only one. Somebody say only one. Only one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Only one. You don't have to go through anybody to get to God for yourself. 
And in fact, he, he expects you to come directly, didn't the scripture say, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You thank God for, for good people that know God around you, but they're not God. And, and you, you can't just do things through them. That includes your spouse. That includes your loved ones. That includes your pastor. Are y'all with me? That includes people that you love and respect. No, God expects you. You're his child, right? You have a direct relationship with him. And especially when you get old enough to understand, and especially when you have seen him do things for you, and you know who he is, and you know what he's done, and you know what he said, and he expects you to come straight to him. Right? And let him talk to you, <laughs> and you talk to him, and you receive. So you can't just receive for other people. No matter how much you love them, no matter how much they need it, no matter how desperate the situation is, and that can be a source of, of heartache. It can be a source of, of, you know, something that can trouble you and make you sad, which is another thing. You just got to cast that care over on the Lord, Right? Because, uh, you know, uh, crying and, and, and wrestling over something that is beyond your area, beyond your authority, beyond what you can do, is only going to frustrate yourself for no reason. Uh, the, the, we need to acknowledge things that are beyond us. Hmm? It'll save us all kind of angst and problems. And so we can't just receive for each other. As adults, we can agree with each other. We can add our faith with yours. And what else we can do? We can help get each other to it. <laughs> right? Which is what they did. They brought their friend, their buddy, their relative, whoever he was to them. They, they said, we, we have heard that Jesus has come into town here in Bethsaida. <laughs> and we really think that you need to get over to see him. <laughs> and we are ready to take you right now. And so he's blind, so he can't get around very well, but he says, okay. So here they go. I don't know. They loaded up the donkey, whatever they did, and they got to Jesus, and his friends, you know, they can see, they can get around better. They come and make introductions, and they go, excuse me, excuse me, uh, Jesus. And he goes, yes, this is our friend, you know, Joe. Uh, he can't see, but would you? Uh, minister to him. Would you touch him? We just believe he'd be healed if you'd touch him. Did they have a part in this man's healing? Yes. yes, they did. And we can, through our prayers, through our faith, through our helping get the word to people, helping get people to good services, good meetings, and then believing they'll see it and hear it, and believing people can minister to them, we can help. We can get all the way up to the point where it's time to receive it. We can't do that for them. Everybody awake. Yes. We can't do that for them. But we can help get them to the place where they can receive. And our time's up for today. <laughs> Said out loud, I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I'm strong in faith. Giving glory to God. 
we're making good progress on this, as you can see, but we're just, you know, we, we didn't finish reading the text today. So come back tomorrow and we'll learn more about the wonderful healing ministry of Jesus our Lord. We'll see you again soon right here in Faith School. I've got no victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.